coding's wherever we want to put it. Do you know, even though it says it's in the curriculum, we put coding, we use coding for, for whatever project we were working on. And what didn't, wasn't necessarily a maths. They had the confidence to turn around to me and turn around and say, okay, it's in the curriculum, but we didn't use it in maths. Okay, so uh, good evening, everybody. So we're here. Um, it's been a, a good, good few weeks since uh, this is our first meetup in, in 2021. Um, so we, tonight we have Tony Riley from the NCCA, and we're going to be talking about assessment. So um, I think without further ado, we'll just get going, Dermot. Unless you want to add anything more there, Dermot? Not at all, Alan. Great to see you again. Good to see you in these, well, straightened times. <laughs> This and good to see good. you, Tony. It's really good, you know, to, to yeah, see you. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. And especially this uh, this webinar about assessment during COVID. You know, like, it's like the last session you do on a Friday afternoon and everybody's starting to fall asleep and assessment is what we're going to be talking about. Awesome. But, but I think actually, well, I think if you're watching the news, assessment is probably the key issue at the moment. <laughs> you know, certainly <laughs> at a secondary level, you know, so <laughs> it's really important. Very true. And I think that it, it particularly from a digital learning perspective as well, it's one of the trickiest areas because I suppose the way that the education system has been skewed traditionally, there are traditional measurements or traditional bar barometers for assessing learning. But when we consider it in the context of maybe 21st century learning skills, and how to assess people's digital competence and what we're trying to achieve with digital competence. It's a, it's a much more challenging area, much more developing area, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think as well, certainly yeah, sure. in the video that yeah. I'm going to show, it's about um, like we're doing remote learning and assessing, but also to ensure that there's sort of validity to that assessment, you know, because we can't see, you know, what what the students are doing, you know, so this is this brings a whole new dimension, I think, to assessment that we would never have maybe configured or, or considered, you know, when we were writing our digital learning plans. And I think this is, you know, very, very interesting. And maybe there's innovations that are out there that maybe, you know, there, there's things that are happening that, you know, uh, we have to consider now. So it's, it's just it's very exciting if, if you want to look at it that way, um, you know. Yeah. I think exciting's an interesting word. I don't think we're quite there yet, but we're getting we're not we're not really there yet at all. You know, it's, it's so experimental at the moment, and so many things are changing so quickly. But the, you know, it's a very interesting space. But I don't think we're one hundred percent there yet. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe exciting isn't the right word, but experimental is a better word. <laughs> it is a better word. Well, it can be exciting as well. There's cool stuff out there, so yeah. Well, there is some cool stuff. So um, basically, so that's what, so. Do we want to go over to your uh, presentation, that video, Dermot, first? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I suppose what I have tried to piece together is a tangible um, example of what we have been doing during lockdown and then how we are assessing um, that learning as well. So in this short video, we're going to take a look at assessment. 
And we're going to take a look at the example that I'm working on at the moment during school closure. So our current practice during school closure, we do about 2.5 hours daily of a Google Meet. And then outside of the Google Meet, the students work collaboratively on projects outside of class. And that's the example that we will take a look at. And then we kind of made a rule that all learning would be independent of the parents. So the goal then is present the students with the following goal. Using Google Class and Google Meet, you have to work with the partner and plan, design, present and reflect on a topic from the science, history or geography curriculum. And that can be a topic of your choice. And each different week, then we change between science, history or geography. So this is the science example. And so working together, usually in partners or in um, a group of three, the students have to, first of all, choose a strand from the science curriculum. So that involves them reading through all of the strands of the the science curriculum, discussing their interests and then selecting a strand of their choice. Then after they've selected a strand of their choice, they have to choose a strand unit from the science curriculum. And in this example, the students have chosen um, plants and animals and basic life processes. So what they have to do is they have to read through the objectives and then they have to research the objectives. And then working together, the students choose how they're going to present their learning this is the design element. And they have to choose between either creating a document, a poster, a presentation or a video animation. Then the students use Google Meet outside of class um, and they meet with their partner or partners online. And that's where they have to engage in the activity of researching, designing and reviewing their project. They spend approximately 30 to 45 minutes on this daily. And that would be between Monday and Thursday. Then in class on Friday, the students present their work to their peers. Uh, it's about approximately 15 minutes per presentation. After they presented, they host a Q&A session on their learning where their peers can ask questions. And this is where the assessment begins, really. So the students have to reflect on their learning. And I find that this provides the teacher with valuable opportunities for follow up questioning. And then I use a rubric to um, assess their work. And so this rubric is adapted from the NCCA guidelines and it has four categories. So the development organization focus on audience and then the language. And so just quickly, the language then will be to do with their ability to discuss the strand units and the objectives that they've been working on. It's graded from zero to three. You have a space then to add in comments and then there is a space for future work. So for example, what you want the kids to work on for future presentations. And then after you fill that in, you can just email that to the students themselves. So that's it. Yeah, that's that's just a short rundown of what they're doing. Um, again, I suppose the key to it is that it takes place independently of myself. The kids um, use Google Meet independently and they use it then after our own online classes, so generally in the afternoon. And I suppose what I like about it is it's fulfilling a lot of uh, giving students choice in their own learning. 
um, encouraging them then to, to engage in inquiry-based learning. And there's a nice loop then as well when they present in class and their peers can, can ask and answer questions. And um, then there's a rubric, I suppose, then for assessing that, which has just been adapted from the NCCA guidelines. I just think it's really interesting, uh, Dermot, because you're doing collaborative work, online collaborative work remotely with primary school students. I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, well, one, one of the things about that, Helen, is that, you know, and this is what we're talking about, like, is part of, of I suppose, this um, digital digital revolution, maybe it's a bit extreme of a word, but we're preparing them for jobs in the future. And it is likely that that will be some aspect of their future working life where they will be working remotely with uh, individuals from different countries or different continents maybe and they will have to work together on a project where they just have a list of objectives and they have to put together a presentation and then present it. So I'm hoping that um, that is certainly giving them some form of experience of that you know. Yeah that's really good because it's like it, it sets them up really well for secondary school you know it really does you know. Um, okay, so will I share out my one? Um, so this is at a second level. So I suppose uh, it's some of it I was doing anyway in, in my classes um, and others, I, I, you can see where I'm adapting to um, the changing times. And uh, I would, what I would say is that, you know, I've see, been just checking the SESI mailing list as well. And, you know, you get ideas there from the questions. And yesterday I was at a computer science CPD and, you know, again, more ideas came up about how to, to share uh, files so that you can sort of see it live. So I'm just gonna share this out. And um, I could just, in this short video, I'm just going to explore different avenues you can take in terms of assessment at second level, uh, particularly during this um, current uh, lockdown uh, due to COVID-19 um, and we're in remote teaching and learning. So very es essentially we have, um, the way I'm looking at is that we have collaboration and group work. Okay, so just get that there. So collaboration and group work. So I teach first years to sixth years and so I have my first and second years doing um, scratch projects. So it's not just about coding, it's also design uh, work as well. So I, I have a, a design process log and they have different roles there. Then also then you have individual schoolwork. Okay. And I suppose the, the, the trick is that the issue that really is, is that how can we sort of assess what they're doing is what, you know, them uh, doing uh, work that we can sort of validate and stand over. Okay. Um, I, we can't control what they're looking at when they're doing these tests or individual schoolwork. So, Certainly with tests, I say they're open book. Okay, so that takes that sting out of, the, out of it. Okay, so very quickly then. So let's look at our collaboration and group work. So I work within Teams and, and OneNote. So what I do is, as I said, with the, the first and second years, I have them doing um, Scratch project. And actually with the third years, they're doing a Microbit Arcade project. So for each of them, they're split up and they've worked out their, their groups and they have, um, the, and I split them out in OneNote in the collaboration space. And then they're in, uh, they are in their breakout rooms in a class. And I will go around uh, each, you know, each of those breakout rooms. And they have these um, series of pages here 
their group set up, their brainstorming, their group projects so that we can each of them have to, it's, it's a diary that each of them is saying what they're doing, the problems they solved, their design, they're evaluating, they're reflecting on what they could improve better. And then what they will do is next week, they're going to do a marking scheme. Uh, sorry, they're going to do a presentation and then I will mark them based on that. And similarly, then if we were in school, they would, there's a peer assessment marking scheme, but I'm going to use a form for that. Okay. So that's one way of, um, you know, capturing their work. Another way would be is if you've got individual work. Uh, so for example, you might have students doing, you know, a question on, um, say, for example, you know, social media and the impact of their on young people so they could what you could do is set up a series of um documents and share it out with them so whether it's google docs word whatever uh, and then you can keep um a track of all those links that you've had and then you know say during a class you can be you know just cl clicking in and just seeing what they're you can watch them uh, writing live so to speak another aspect then is obviously is actually testing so um so i say with my sixth years um you might ask them a question. It could be, you know, a written question or it could be something that they have to do. You know, let's say it's computer science, so they might have to draw flow, flow charts or something. So you could ask them, you know, the question could be here and they have to draw their, their flow chart or write their answer or do their maths, whatever they have to do. Um, they can either, you know, depending on, on the situation, it could be typed or it could be written. So they're taking a photograph. So you could, you know, obviously uh, write, the, you know, give their form of feedback. Um, uh, like written or uh, orally by recording. But also another idea I have is that the students could actually uh, explain how they've answered their questions by recording themselves. So not only do they answer, you know, handwrite or type their answer, uh, they can actually record themselves using, say, for example, Microsoft Stream. OK, and then they can record uh, themselves explaining their answers or they could use um, Screencast-O-Matic or OBS or I use uh, Screencastify. So these are, that's like sort of a, a meta level of uh, explanation, metacognition, that they're explaining how they answered their, their tests. So I think that's sort of, certainly I'm exploring that and it's, it's interesting. Okay, so they're just a series of ways of um, uh, assessment at second level in, in remote uh, learning conditions, which also can be brought back to the classroom, certainly some of them, um, when we get back there. Thank you. Fantastic, Helen. Wow. Your, rub so your, your rubric is really um, very, very detailed. It is. It is. Uh, well, it, again, like you, I, I looked at, like, actually, I used the junior cycle you know, from the NCCA that like, I see you're zero, one, two, and three, I'm doing one, two, three, and four. So, you know, it's just, and then I, I'm doing the same as you are actually, you know, it's just, I have just different, uh, you know, just sort of different tasks. I'm looking at the, the sort of specific tasks, you know, but you, what one thing I do know is that I've had to, I had it, it was sort of more complex, but when I'm reviewing them, you know, when you're assessing them, you have to do it very fast and you're, you're, you know, you, you have to think really fast as well. So that, that's, Certainly, you know, one one of the demands of, of, of that that rubric that I have there. That's class. Yeah. What do you think, Tony? The tricky. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to try and look at it from a slightly different angle. I'm going to. I, what I want to present is what's out there to support teachers in a way. But you guys have already found those bits and pieces from the NCCA. But I'll just do a, a little bit of a PowerPoint on it. But 
I'm really interested in the informal assessment. You know, like teachers, the one thing that makes teachers different from everybody else, is, or what, there's more than one thing, but one thing that we do really, really well, and we don't even know, it, but we're continually assessing all the time. You know, you walk into a classroom, you know straight away whether the, you know, the students or the kids or the children in the classroom are on task, what they're at, just by looking, by wandering around the classroom, you know, all those, and you kind of lose all that in this online space. So I kind of want, and I'm kind of wondering what we can do in this, in this space. So, you know, Dermot, you were, um, you were talking about using the Google, the Google education space and they were inputting it and they're working collaboratively together. Do you have the group chats on that you can watch? Yeah, in, yeah. Yeah. You both have, yeah. Helen, do you have it on as well? Yeah, so, I, I, so I have to, I have two monitors and that, so that, that's one of the things. So I'm looking, uh, you know, if I'm in class, I have, you know, the, the class are in front of me here, like I'm talking to that way, but I, I'm, I have the, my, my second monitor is with the chat so they can be chatting there or, you know, there's something interactive. So, I, and I, that was one of the things that I learned from, from the, the first lockdown. The first lockdown, I didn't. I didn't have a second monitor. I sure I didn't know what was happening. You know what I mean? The, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that, and, and now they know that I'm looking at it. And, that, and that's good because I can be, you know, sometimes they, they're writing in the group chat, but sometimes students might write individually. And, you know, and that that's fine as well. And, or else I might, what I do now as well is like, I might have, like we have break, there's breakout rooms, but sometimes I just leave them all in the main room because they said to me, this is, you know, it can be a bit awkward sometimes. And, uh, so I leave them all in the main room and then I just experimented so I can actually call them individually uh, anyway and pull them out of that main room, you know, so that that's actually because I didn't know if you could do that. And I said, I'm just going to try and it, and it works fine. I said, just pick up the call when I'm ringing, you know, so that's and that I think that's the closest I can get to being walking around. And if I was talking to them, yeah. you know, one on one and 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 they so you're trying to simulate something, you know, as you say, uh, you don't know what's happening elsewhere, but anyway. <laughs> no, it does. So watching and engaging that group chat, I found like a few years ago, I set up Google Classroom before I went off to the NCCA. It was about three years ago. And we're just experimenting, just playing with it and trialing it out. Gave them an assignment very similar to, to what Dermot had done. But I asked them to keep the group chat, just to chat with each other as if they were using social media. And it was really interesting watching some of them engaging with each other. You know, they were sharing, they were say we were doing the Egyptians, for example, and then someone had gone off and found a whole lot of stuff about the Egyptians and put it in and said, have you seen this? And then a big conversation started up and watching that and assessing that was really, really, really informative to me. It was, you could see who was engaging, who wasn't engaging just from the chats. And then the ones that were really quiet or weren't really doing, you just prompt them a little bit, ask them a question. Hey, did you see such and such? And just like you would be in a classroom, even though it's really, really super difficult. But that's a really good way of sort of informal assessing as well to see what's going on. So I kind of looking at from not from an NCCA point of perspective point of view, but I'm looking trying to think of what sort of resources might be helpful for teachers in schools. And I noticed that Dermot, you looked at that NCCA doc. It's a huge document, right? And Helen, I'm, I think you might you mentioned you're looking at the junior junior cycle one as well. Yeah. So I went onto our website and just because there's a lot of stuff on the NCCA website and just pulled out that um, primary uh, assessment guidelines for schools. I think they were developed 2005, 2006. And that was a huge amount of, of content in there. So I just wanted to highlight a couple of, a couple of pages from, from the content that's in there. And this is the first one. So I kind of like this um, circle here, figure one. I think it's on page 10 or something or other. I put the link at the top here. So maybe we could put the links in and share if people want to go directly to it. So 
I'm just going to run through this, this circular Yoki Bob here. So using assessment as part of teaching and learning. So planning at the top, using assessment information and curriculum objectives, going around to share with children what, what the learning would involve, exploring with the children successful what it looks like. So that you're demonstrating what it looks like and they all know what your expect, expectations are. Using your appropriate methodologies and classroom organizational strategies. So this is where you're kind of thinking, well, we're out of the classroom now. So what are we gonna do digitally? And you've given, shown you know, examples of how you could do that. Um, and then gather, record information. So same thing as Dermot and yourself are saying, your presentations they send back or a pre the children, you know, the children or the students presenting back to their class. And then the cycle starts over again because you're sort of informing yourself about what's happening, the next step and the next step. I think the key bit is these, these bits down the bottom here about involving the kids. So the kids know what the expectations are up front and what success looks like. Or what failure looks like, and I'm gonna. I really want to talk about failure because I think failure is a really good part of assessment, and the system doesn't reflect that. You know, high stakes exams and all the rest of it. But that's a personal point of view. But it'd be interesting to talk about that. Uh, the next slide, when you break it down to, when you break that previous image down into what it kind of looks like in the classroom with teachers. So we go from the teacher leads teacher led assessment on the right hand side. So standardized testing teacher design tasks and tests, teach observation, questioning, and then sort of the things you're on the left-hand side of that arc, what you could get kids or the children in the class, what they could produce. So concept mapping, so they're like mind maps. So you've got your project, project at the top, breaking it all down into the different areas of where developing, seeing what their mind map is about their project is really interesting. Portfolio assessment. So we're doing that now because we've got online learning, right? So we've got these either teams set up or we've got, um, you know, Google education set up. So those, they're automatically happening now because we've got these, these portfolios in there. The conferencing bit's really interesting. And I think that might be, I don't know what it'd be like. So it'd be really interesting to ask you about that because how do you conference online with kids? You know, do you set up, set up a Zoom call? Do we all talk together? Do we have a messaging backwards and forwards? So that'd be interesting to see what, what's happening with, with you and how you're doing it. And then it's the self-assessment piece. Self-assessment can be really tricky because it gets back to what you, you need to get across to what the expectations are and how you get those across to your kids or your students, because otherwise, how can they self-assess that they, they really don't understand what you want them to do? And then underneath that, you'll see the pages that there are. There's a huge amount of resources, so page 14, 24, all related, and you can look and go mad in this document because it's absolutely huge. Um, the next slide, I'm sort of thinking about NCCA work now and primary school in particular. So I'm sorry, Helen, and sorry, no, no, post-primary post people. But this is like, what's going to happen at the end of this year? Because it's a really interesting year, well, interesting and, and hard for everybody. What will assessment look like at the end of the year? So what will our annual report cards that primary schools produce at the end of the year, whether they use this one, that's the report card creator with the NCCA, um, you know, how are we going to fill this in? As in, how are we going to let parents know and other you know post primary schools may use these to see what their kids are doing but how are we going to get this information and, and try in this really really difficult year how are we going to get that across um so we're probably going to be working a bit on this and it'd be really interesting to find out what people feel about this and Dermot in particular because this is obviously you're going to be i'm assuming you'll be doing this in primary school so um what that might look like towards the end of the year would be an interesting conversation 
Um, we have to say something about the PDST because they've got so many resources, so many really, really, really good resources. So if you go into the PDST, the site, there's assessment and feedback PDST, and you get this is the first thing you'll see. It's it's at, at the bottom of that page. You've got a heap of different resources that they're using for formative and informative assessment, and along with those, each one of those has been divided up into really nice videos that demonstrate the use of the seesaw. So you can see the screencast explores how teachers can use to provide pupils with voice feedback and seesaw based on mini rubrics. Because so maybe. Dermot, you might pick up something there that you could use in your class, you know, voice feedback rather than written feedback, or I'm not sure how you report back to the kids how successful they've been. Um, this one here using Microsoft Teams, screencasting, demonstrating how to provide text-based um, feedback, which, so it's all really, really good stuff. It's just finding it and looking at it and having time to look at it. And then the last slide, I know this looks a bit busy, but and it's very American orientated for some, and I apologize for some reason, it just happened to be, but there's a link in here to Washington State University and they're, they're looking at low state formative assessment. So not so structured as in these are the, the result, it's real low stake stuff. So it's, it's gaming, it's using games like Kahoot and, and you know, feedback mechanisms like that, that are really interesting, some really good research there. The second piece is around artificial intelligence and this is like for the future and where that might be going might be really interesting to read where that might be going and the implications, not for teachers because you're never gonna replace the teacher, but it's just interesting to see how a professor in a, in a university is using AI to inform feedback and assessment for them. And then the last little article there is from Utopia and it's just a teacher reflecting on um, better ways of, of not monitoring, but measuring student progress, but really having students in the, the heart of it. And on, in the States in particular, they kind of have a really high stakes exams all the way through their system. And, the, and that article, that last article is really reflecting on, is that really what we want? And has this idea of working in a digital space moved, you know, really opened their eyes up over there about, is that high stake, are those high stakes exams useful at all? Do you know, so um, they're my slides. I hope they're okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting, Tony, there's a load I said there's a lot of information there that you could extend this conversation by uh, about two or three, two or three hours. And um, maybe just one question I had there was, when you look at those last three articles that you showed us, um, yeah. what are we likely to see over the coming years and whether you can talk about it or not, but with the new curriculum uh, reforms that are due to happen over the next few years. Um, yeah, well, I, I can't say too much because we're in consultation. So the best thing to do would be to go in and have a look at the consultation for primary school. And we're, you know, at the moment because of COVID, it's, it's not been paused. We've had the first phase of it as, as the CESI has been involved in giving us feedback. So then we're analysing that data. The next phase would be to, to go out to schools when schools are back to normal as best they are and then get their, their, their perspective on the consultation as well. So it's gonna go on for another year. And then after that, you know, we'll dig into that information and then see where we go. But I think there's, there, there is some really interesting pieces around assessment, informative and informative assessment. And particularly we're moving to a competent, where well, the suggestion is to move to a competency-based curriculum. 
So it's not going to be as straightforward as just testing a subject like maths or just testing science. It's, it's much broader than just skills. So there's going to have to be a lot more discussion. There's going to be a lot more thought into what assessment looks like, you know, and the results of assessment, because that's, you know, internationally, that's what, that's what pushes what education systems do around the schools. So PISA, for example, you know, they're quite, you know, yourself, they're, they're quite very, very linear as in they test one subject and, you know, and we hear from industry and we hear from, from organizations like PISA and all the rest of they, you know, we want creativity in schools and we want people to collaborate, but really how do we assess that? Do you know? So that's the really big question. You know, how, you, how do you assess that? How do you evaluate that? And how do you feedback that into the system and show that is the, is the really tough thing? Because we all want that. I think we all want that, do you know, but it's, it's the number crunching at the end is sometimes how systems work. So, you know, how can you show that is the big issue? And there was, there was, one, um, there was one report I came across um, recently. It's a 2015 document or be even later, I think it could be 2018 document. And yeah. Helen, this this will put the, uh, the the fear of God into you, um, or the fear the fear of <laughs> operating systems or something like that. So it said that based on the evidence, um, there is very limited evidence of uh, enhanced student learning outcomes as a result of digital learning uh, at school and Tony you, you hit the nail on the head there where you said that is the the PISA um, reports or PISA studies that are done they're based on very traditional measurement um, standards and that's what this 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 argument was based around Helen was mm -hmm. kids were not demonstrating enhanced learning outcomes based against traditional um, assessment measurements and so mm -hmm. the argument was there that technology was not actually making much of a, a difference in school as a really interesting argument to think about mm -hmm. because it's true um, and then as Tony's pointing out there we're not able to measure creativity we're not able to measure collaboration or or communication you know all of those types of things not in the traditional way that we measure things. We can, I think we, we definitely can measure all those things and we can demonstrate it and we can show it. But the system, I don't think at the moment is ready for it in the traditional way, if you know what I mean. The results that, you know, it's an A, B, C or D or we've got, you have 90% right in the maths. To, you know, it's, yeah. so that's the, that's the tricky bit and we need to get towards that, I think, to, to, to really instill it. Um, yeah. But if you roll back just to what you were just saying there a few minutes ago, Dermot, like we all feel a bit more relaxed or you know in this so why is that is it because we're more technically accomplished i mean i know we were a bit tired tonight and we made lots of mistakes but we were actually more relaxed about making mistakes but i mean apart from that certainly the experience that, and and i i've checked in with my students that there is a more a better feeling of accomplishment uh, in, in able to do all of this you know so so and that, that has to count for something, you know what I mean? So it might not necessarily make you better at maths or something like that, but you know, look at all the other skills. You've got presentation, communication, creativity, collaboration. As, as, so you're saying, Tony, how do you capture that accomplishment? 
So can I try? I'll give you an example without getting too personal. But it's about one of my one of my kids, right? One of them was doing the junior certificate last year, and the junior certificate or the junior cycle it was given given to them basically because we we couldn't have the the test, the official tests, and all all that sort of stuff. So the school had asked them to keep going for about three or four weeks after the junior cycle was announced that everybody was getting it. So to motivate them, they were going to be given online exams. So one was in particular was an online maths exam, was a multiple choice exam, and they were given a time and a date when they had to sit it. So my son, without saying too much, had and his friends had organized the very, when the exam started, the online exam was on the PC, they had their mobile phones, they had everything set up. So they're answering the questions together as they went through, right? So collaboration, they used their, their imagination, their, you know, their, and they managed to do all that stuff together. No one, you know, so, I thought it was, they gained the system completely. And it wasn't the right thing to do, but they used technology and they used all the bits and pieces to get to where they wanted to get. Now, if that was the aim, if that's what we're aiming kids to do, which I think it is, is to, to, to use the tools they have and the, the tools they have at the moment is technology, right? So if they're using the tools they have to accomplish, a, solve a problem that they've got, then we're halfway there. Now, you, you couldn't possibly assess that and say that was, you know, that the but it's just demonstrating that you know so yeah. exactly. anyway, I, I think that um the experiences over the past it's almost a year now have demonstrated that like it there's been a huge shift towards the actual environment the children habit or inhabit compared to the actual environment which we we maybe construct around them in schools in the sense that you know it's the the, the teachers who are adapting at the moment, kids, this is second nature to them a lot of what is happening. It's they just miss, miss everybody. They miss their friends. They miss oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I accept that. But just with what Tony is saying there, for yeah, example, yeah. Um, if you look at the digital tool use, and that's that's the idea. Like, I mean, when you look at assessment, for example, you got to look at the objective behind why do we use technology in school? Is it to enhance um traditional learning or is it to create new forms of learning or you know and just you'd hope we're moving towards the secondary one but they're they're so capable of using um digital tools like we have kids and what they do in school remember these are only primary school kids is they usually whatsapp each other um during their homework time at home so they're doing their homework in their copy books and they're chatting about their um, questions, you know, how are you doing in this? How do you do that? What answer did you get for X, X, Y, or Z? And like, if you set that up as a learning task, you would feel a great sense of accomplishment. But yet they're doing this independently of you. Um, you see, that that's the really exciting thing about what's happening at the moment. I think is that they're using these tools they never would have used for an education purpose themselves before. You know, so I, the other, I watch my kids all the time, obviously, and the kids in school, they'll make videos, they'll play, they'll play games and all the rest of it, but the actual purpose was never really educational. In there. But now it's it's moving over to using technology for an educational purpose. That's why I think it's really exciting, a really exciting time at the moment. Mm -hmm. I think kids and students are starting to wake up to that possibly. Not all will, but some will. Do you know they can leverage this tool that they only used as a game before to actually use for an educational purpose? And there's an opportunity for us to jump on that somehow in the future. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'm just looking at um, Dermot, just in terms of our um, sort of structure, do we want to ask Tony our, uh, our eight, que eight, eight questions? questions? Yes. <laughs> We're at this point. <laughs> so Tony has said that these are profound questions. And I, I told you, he's the first person. These are the most profound that. questions I've ever been sent. So I don't know if I, I, I can't answer them. They're <laughs> okay. too, too big. I think Tony wanted to watch a match of Border Pass as well. Um, okay, Tony, will we take the eight questions. Oh, don't, don't worry yeah. about that. And we will, we will move. Okay. Go so on. we ask these to everybody, Tony. We ask these to all of our guests, and the idea then is that at some stage we may look at pulling together some form of a, a document based on everyone's answers and see if we can identify any any similarities or or comparisons or whatever between the people. Uh, and how you answer them. There is a meta level to these questions, Tony, believe it, believe it or not. Um, okay, so we start with uh, question one. So Tony, who, who or what triggered your interest in the educational use of technology? Um, I suppose personally, I was hugely into playing computer games, right, when I was younger, and I was really excited and interested about that and all the rest of it. And But when I started teaching, it wasn't that, you know, technology wasn't in schools at all, really. And then when it slowly started to creep into schools, I got my interest back in technology. But I just, I just sort of got, I could see how engaged kids were when they used it, you know, and how you could just see there's a it sparked. To me, it seemed to spark their imagination because it was so different. It was so interesting, or it was, you know, they they started to become controllers of it rather than me as a controller of it. So it's just really all about engagement. And how it, it sparks it sparks people's interest, certain people's interest anyway. So I've always been keenly interested in it. Very good. Okay. And question two: um, What is your primary motivation behind your educational use of technology? It, the engagement, but all the way through. So it's spark. It's it's. I'm always trying to find whether it's technology. It doesn't matter if it's technology or not. If it's something that's going to get kids motivated to do something, you know, what you're trying to get across, if it's going to motivate, then that's what I'm going for. And I just found, like I said a minute ago, I found technology was just a little thing that pushed them or not got them interested in something. It was just a sideline that got them ticking over and engaged. Uh, so question three then, describe in your experience, effective educational use of technology in the classroom. Okay, a little bit left field. Um, failure is really, really important, right? So if you look at technology, computer games in particular, the, the way you play a, a, a game and a, a computer game or whatever, you have to constantly fail, 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 fail all the time, right? So the system, I don't feel encourages failure. So the reason I started introducing the way technology works is that you're constantly failing, you're going back and reviewing and looking all the time. I just like the concept of con not constant failure, but failure to, to learn more. I think you learn more from failure. So I kind of like that way. I don't think we're there yet with technology in schools. So I would use computer games. And I'll give you an example, a really, really random example of what I'm talking about. I'm sorry for going off track here, but a leaving cert applied class in post-primary who weren't interested in anything. And they had a business module they had to do. So you know, create your own business and um, 
go off and you know it's really hard to get imagination going when creating your own business and all this sort of stuff ends up you do a car wash or something now not i'm not saying this hot because people do these things you know teachers do these things and it's grand but doing you get them to do a car wash and they raise a bit of money they get the bits and pieces and you you go back and you see if it worked or not i did that for a couple of years and it was kind of soul destroying because the kids didn't really want to do it they were doing it because they couldn't think of any other business ideas one day uh one of the guys said oh, have you heard of Farm Simulator. Have you heard of Farm Simulator, Helen? Have you heard of it, Dermot? Yes, I think yes. I have. I don't it's, do all it's, it's big in our school. It is. Is it really? Is it still going? Is it still big? Yeah, there's a new version coming out. Farming Simulator. Farming, so, so basically you go and set this virtual farm up, right? And you get all the bits and pieces you need to get the farm going and you grow vegetables, you do whatever you do. You sit in a tractor and you drive the tractor all day and go up and down the fields and get it all. This guy brought it in. We've got a PlayStation set up in the classroom and this guy brought it in and this leaving cert applied because it's a country school. They absolutely got hooked, you know, they hooked on it anyway, but they, got, so they turned it into looking at a business model. So they looked at, you know, how much it costs for crops and all that sort of stuff. So straight away, it was just like whatever engages, you know, if you can get over the line to get engagement in there. And it kind of, a few of them, it didn't go any further than that. They really enjoyed it. But a few of them others used those skills the following six months to set up their own little mini company in the school because they'd actually done it in a space that they already were familiar with and you know they knew and it was already the engagement was already there so that's kind of i don't know if that answers the question at all but that's fantastic so, so <laughs> helen, helen do you know what a farm is so a farm i am a farmer's daughter oh, I, you? Absolutely. you never played farm simulator no i haven't because i don't know years ago i played tetris and i got so addicted to it i said I, I used to start at level 10 and I was very good at it. <laughs> and I said, stop, because I used to see Tetris blocks going uh, when I was, so I said, stop. So I, I, I don't play, because I get addicted to it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm gonna get, go, we'll go real deep here now, right? So what did you like about playing Tetris, right? So you failed all the time, so you worked out how to beat it, not beat it, but get better and better at it. Just, right, I, so, it was the pleasure so yeah. of the speed and I was just trying to get all the, the shapes there and just to get up the levels and like to like you know you can see the pride I used to start at level 10 like that takes a long time to get to, well maybe it took me yeah, a long time yeah. to get so yeah. it was great <laughs> so I think about it as a set in assessment ways right so you're, you're constantly getting feedback all the time um it's not it's not it's not judgmental so and you've got some achievement at the end of it by you going up levels and all that sort of crack. So it'd be pretty awesome if we could create some sort of stuff, if we could create that sort of environment in schools where it's not judgmental feedback, but it's constant feedback, failure's okay, yeah. and you've got a, a goal at the end of it. But anyway. Okay, okay um, next question. Describe in your experience effective learning outcomes from the educational use of technology at school. Um, so effective yeah, learning I, outcomes. Don't yeah. think about effective learning outcomes. So do, you don't even think about technology to start off with, right? So you think about what, what it gets back to that slide I think I showed where you're showing the kids what a success is in whatever you're, you're trying to get across, whether it's understanding about the Egyptians or it's, it's multiplication, but it's applied to a, world, a, a real world context as in going shopping or whatever it is. So you. And then once, you, once you've got that criteria, once you understand what your actual learning outcome is, can technology help? Can technology 
help kids either engage or enhance it or whatever. And then you start thinking about the technology. So I wouldn't even think about technology to start off with. I think you, you know, you're looking at what the goal is at the end and technology is not the answer to all of it, but it could be the answer in certain situations. So that's where the sort of thinking about that question. It's a big, seriously big question, but I wouldn't have technology in, in there to, until you understand what your actual outcome is at the end of it. Brilliant. Yeah. So you're kind of, there's a starting point prior to technology, isn't there? Way, way, yeah. way before, yeah. I think, anyway. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> Question five. Here we go. What is your philosophy of education, Tori? Oh, God. Yeah, these are, man, I don't know. Have you got good answers from every, I should have watched the other webinars because I could have cheated and just said, yeah, I agree with with Richard Did you ask Richard Millwood on this, did you? What he? Yeah, we did, yeah, we did, yeah. Short, concise answer? Um, yeah, as we said, we're still recording it. We're still... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. Oh, that's, it's too big, right? But anyway, I kind of think you're preparing kids in school for what they're going to do outside of school, right? And I think everything you do in school has to have some context to it that relates to outside school so getting back to writing storytelling maths all those subjects that are all come pep, cup him what's the word i'm looking for broken into little individual things you need to they need to be relatable to what actually happens in the real world and that's kind of why i'm really excited and really interested in technology at the moment because we're surrounded by it we don't have to be completely immersed in it part of i think part of our responsibility around technology is getting across to kids, you don't need to constantly, you shouldn't constantly be on it. You shouldn't, you know, you, you need to be doing all these other really cool things as well. I think schools have a role in that at some stage further on down the line. So I think we're, schools are all about preparing kids for when they leave, which is kind of weird, or when they're outside school. Um, and not, and not, not about jobs. It's about jobs for sure, right? But it's about, it's about a whole lot. It's much more holistic than that. That's really interesting. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting the way you clarified as well that it's not about jobs because it's not our job to prepare them for industry. You know, like there is no. a separation between education and industry. I know the lines are, are getting blurred at the moment um, and there are concerns. People are expressing concerns about that. But um, there is a distinction and hopefully they could be complementary maybe. Yeah, and we're kind of in a tricky space because we're all about technology. And I don't think we, we, I think it's really important that we get across that it's not all about technology, but technology is part of their life. And we have to, you know, prepare, you know, enable sort of, you know, children and kids to thrive in, in that environment, but also to thrive outside that environment as well. And that's hugely important. Very interesting. Okay, um, question six, we're, we're, we're nearly there. In your experience, how is knowledge transferred? Well, you can go fancy and say social constructs, right? But it's all about collaboration, collaboration and relationships. If you don't have a relationship with whoever you're working with, it's not going to work. It doesn't matter what it is. So, you know, what, what you're doing. So I think it's about relationships and respect and, and collaboration. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's between students or teacher to student or is there a difference? Teacher to student, student to teacher, parent to teacher to student, you know, the, the whole community of, of where children live and where we work. I know it's, it's, it's very high, you know, it's, it's, you know it's, it's a very high bar sort of thing, but, you know, you've got to, I think you have to strive to 
that collaborate that collaboration piece i think you have to strive for that because yeah. you know we're all living together in that environment yeah very interesting um okay question seven then and i think you, you kind of name dropped it there already what pedagogy best supports the educational use of technology and why did i name drop it remind me what i said because I'm, I'm on a bit of I, you, you mentioned social const const maybe was that was that where you were going in, in yeah 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 so yeah the whole i suppose constructivist approach um you know i i all about context i think i think we need to i think kids i think we need to give them the skills of trying to solve real world problems you know and uh, not it's not about page 26 on a maths book and we're talking about long division it's about Okay, so that you, you practice those tools, but you've got this issue or this problem or this thing you want to create, and you've got these tools to be able to go and do that. I think it's bigger picture than just the skills that we're learning. And that's hopefully where I think the new curriculum, primary curriculum is going to be really interesting, you know, around this whole competency base, because it's much bigger than just really simply refined skills. But then it gets back to assessment again, or, well, how do you prove that kids have got all these skills, mm. you know? But I think that, yeah, that constructivist theory, I think, is really interesting. I think it's a, it's a really good way to go. Yeah. I mean, the design theory, you know, design thinking is a really interesting way. And I think, Helen, you mentioned that as well, you know, the whole process of design thinking. Mitch Resnick is really interesting, his work, this um, learning spiral that he has. You know, you come up with an idea, you, you try and construct it, you solve the problem, or you try and build, create the solution to the idea you go and play or you go and try it out with people, you reflect on it, and then you go back and start it again sort of thing. So it's a never, not a never ending process, but the, the one thing I think is really good about it is there's not one solution to, you know, to, to, the, to the one problem. I think that's really, really interesting. And that's again, another system problem on assessment. If you don't have one answer, how can you assess it globally sort of thing, you know? But mm. I think having multiple answers is really interesting to, to one problem. Tony, who is that? Who is that? You said that. Who was that person? Mitch Resnick does some really nice stuff oh, yes, on, yes, on yes. Um, as in Scratch. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So go back and have have a look at some of his theories of of why and the you know he talks about collaboration and multiple multiple answers to to one problem. You know, which I think is really really interesting. Yeah. And then our final question, um, Tony, and you you would have deep insights into this. And I think your own background, obviously, I remember the first time where I heard your name spoken in, in awe and in, in hushed, but uh, very complimentary yeah. terms. Well, didn't you start a STEM room? Am I, am I right in STEM? Yeah. You were, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah this was yeah. a big thing. Yeah. So then maybe, so formal, the question then is, formal education in the 21st century should look like because... I have no idea. <laughs> but who knows? You know, like seriously, who knows? I, I constantly like I, I, it gets back to engagement, right? So I always thought the technology was a really good way of engaging with kids. The other good thing about technology, it's a really good way of assessing as well to a certain level. Do you know there's only so far you can go with it? Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Can you still hear me? Because this is cutting off. This is really annoying. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So give us a. Well, so 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 like so. And what I suppose what I'm trying to picture is if you I remember you gave a 
virtual, did you give a virtual tour of your STEM room where you certainly presented some audiovisual material which showed it? And you had it sectioned off, am I right in saying? Different yeah, yeah, activities were taking yeah. place in different parts of the room. It's about enabling kids to be able to, oh, there's all these words, enabling kids to be able to manipulate the world that they live in, as in, they, if they live in this technological age, they need to be able to manipulate it. They need to be able to understand it. They need to be able to create with it. They need to be able to understand what the, the downsides and the upsides are of it. So I'm wondering, this is, I'm not gonna answer the question, I'm wondering what it's gonna be like when we eventually do go back into classrooms, okay? I'm just wondering, Will people still use tech? Will tech people? Will teachers or will schools use tech? Schools use technology. Some. How will they use it when they go back? Because this could be an eye opener to people that would, were were against technology or just thought it wasn't part of their job or wasn't part of what they should be teaching kids or, or what should be going on in the classroom because they were refined to this. They were you know confined to subjects or they were confined to whatever was in front of them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I'm wondering if it will open up possibilities for people to see. So the, the reason I set up the STEM, STEM room was I, I, had, I was lucky enough to go to the States and there was lots of different projects going on around technology in schools, but it was all about giving kids or students or young people the tools in their hands to go and do, do stuff, do things. Mm -hmm. And the STEM room was all about, right, well, let's give them iPads, let's give them laptops, give them drones, or let's give them stuff that's going to engage with them, that's going to make them really interested and excited. But at the same time, you've got to have a method around all that, you know, so building it But I think, it, uh, and leaving it so, getting back to, it's you can never have one right answer. But I think that's what the STEM room also promoted was this idea of, here's a problem, here's all your tools, I've shown you how to use all those tools, let's see if you can solve it. But it's, it, there's multiple solutions to it and getting the kids to talk about their solutions and share their ideas. And then someone will say, Oh, I did that. What about doing this? And then it builds and builds and builds and keeps on going. Now, getting back to the system, how you evaluate that and how you assess that is going to be the tricky bit. So, so that's like, I mean, that's, I think Helen, and I don't mean to speak for you, but that's, that's the dream, isn't it? That type of a, a scenario. But yeah, yeah. My, my other question then, and obviously I can't answer this, Tony, this is question nine. Where did this come from? <laughs> this, this, but this is really important in the context of our discussion. And I know you can't answer this question, but did those kids, did they achieve higher STEM scores at the end of the year? The junior cycle? No, at the well, end of primary school, our standard, standardised assessments. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry, the STEM kids. Yeah, yeah. our STEMs, yeah. Oh, you shouldn't have asked me that. No, I shouldn't. I'm um, sorry. But and I, I would wage no. Oh, sorry. I, I no, you know that. something. I. I... <laughs> sorry. Oh, this is really annoying. So I'm going to get in trouble. It wasn't a priority for me. The yeah. STEM scores. But no, I know that. Yes, I know that. Yes. Um, but I'm just trying to think back. Um, I don't know. I like. I. I, yeah. I actually think they did do pretty well on. Uh, Okay. I don't know. I, I, you know, and that, that's something I should have done. I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it for long enough. I was only, you know, a year setting up and a year after sort of thing, you know, so it wasn't going long enough, but that would have been, a, that would have been the ultimate to do that was, yeah. I know, yeah, Jim, you've, you've, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, but strangely yeah. enough, German, I don't you have to build a 
I so so I I I I I was I was um, blown away. I, I was certainly hugely impressed, Tony. I won't I won't. Um, well, the first I time was, I met Tony, that that's yeah. what that's what I that's what you were doing that that time. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's very time. similar to the concept behind what the bridge is about, um, yes. Helen. That, that, that and and I love the way you've put it, Tony. You've said, here I've taught you how to use this, use it to solve problems. I know you've articulated far better than that. I, I, I do try to do something similar in our school. We um, we give them real world problems and they have to build houses out of boxes and they have to code, use micro bits. And, you know, you walk into the class and look, there's paper, there's people cutting paper, people <laughs> painting boxes, people coding in one corner, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But the learning that's going on is it has mm -hmm. to be positive. Do you know what I mean? But then I, I can't... I, I measures are but I, no but I, I wonder i wonder i i i wonder it'd be interesting to see if it is measured over a few years whether they do improve on those yeah. on those you know formals because i think you have to understand and learn the skills that they're learning you're learning at the moment say for maths or english or whatever you have to have those skills to be able to do that problem solving to be able to work collaboratively collaboratively you have to have all those things so yeah. you you're kind of you're kind of flipping the thing on that on its head you're looking at the collaborative, the designing and the thinking and the problem solving, and then you're going back, right, what skills do we need to learn? Whereas at the moment, I think traditionally curriculums are right, here are the skills you need to learn. You know, then you do you apply them? Probably not, because you need to move on to the other skills. Whereas if you flip it and look at the issues and the problems or the, the, the actual bigger, the big things you want to do together as a class or a group or solve, solve problems, then go back to the curriculum and say, right, I'll have that little bit of maths because that's going to help me. I'll have that little bit of language that's going to help me. I'll have that little bit of science that's going to help me to solve this problem. Go off and solve the problem. Think of something else you're going to do, then go back and you'll find other bits of the curriculum that you need to pluck and pull. Um, but that would be an interesting way to do it. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind write, of what happened. I was going to just say, just throw out as well. So, so maybe you didn't capture, you know, whatever the STEM scores were at, at sixth class or whatever, but maybe that they have to sort of ferment oh, yeah. I don't sorry if I've said something wrong there, but maybe they have to ferment and oh. you know, and then things, you know, by the time they get to second or third year or wherever in, in at second level, they the skills are, you know, they're sort of you know more in their DNA, so to speak, and it, it starts to emerge at that point. I don't know. I'm just making this up, you know. Yeah, well, who knows? Look at Finland. Apparently they don't, you know, they take an approach where it's a lot different they don't have these standardized tests all the way through but they do really really well on PISA scores and really well on you know whatever's going on there and I know people have gone over and looked and all the rest of it and yeah it's an interesting it's a bit of a it's an interesting chat that's for sure um there was a good um there was a good quote by Dewey uh oh. he went to um I forget the term of the school um I think it was Dewey who said it or maybe someone later and they went to a Dewey school or something I forget but they said that you know, one of the great experiences of primary school was that they didn't know how they were doing. So they were never assessed uh, too formally. So they all thought that they were achieving wonderfully at whatever they were doing. So, you know, there was no confidence problems. There was no, none of that, that kind of an issue. A uh, bit radical, but at the same time, there is, there's an element of. I, I, I think, yeah. Yeah. That word confidence is huge mm. and it applies to everything, right? And I'm talking about teachers and I'm talking about kids. So if you're confident in what you're doing, 
if it doesn't work, you've got the confidence to turn around and say, it didn't work. Let's have a look and say, why, why didn't it work? Let's go off and try this now. I think this. I think building that confidence in kids and in teachers in the school system is huge. And if we've got that confidence, you know, I talk to teachers internationally and I asked them when I was doing the coding um, report, I asked them, in your curriculum, it says that you've got coding and maths. And they, a group of them kind of chuckled and they, coding's wherever we want to put it. Do you know, even though it says it's in the curriculum, we put coding, we use coding for, for whatever project we're working on. And what didn't, wasn't necessarily a maths. They had the confidence to turn around to me and turn around and say, okay, it's in the curriculum, but we didn't use it in maths. Whereas I'm not sure if some systems around the world, I'm not saying Ireland in particular, there's education systems around the world, that teachers and, and, and schools don't have the confidence to turn around and say, no, we don't use it in maths, but we use it here and we do it here. And they, they've proved they've, they've gone through the pain of it not working or it did work or whatever, but they have the confidence to turn around and say, well, no, it didn't work. Well, this is what we're doing now. So I think confidence is a huge thing. I think that's really interesting. Helen, how's your confidence oh, these days? How's my confidence? It's all right, you know. I, I, I don't know how confident I am. If I make mistakes, I says, oh, sugar, I've made a mistake. And that's how confident I am. I'm relaxed about it. You've seen me. I've made loads of mistakes this evening. <laughs> mistakes are good. Yeah. It's, yeah. How's, how's your confidence? How's your confidence? Yeah, exact same as you. Um, yeah, look, like I, yeah, hundred percent, exact same as you. I'm enjoying the opportunity to professionally experiment at the moment with different uh, strategies. I looked back on what we did during the first lockdown. Said, right, what can we do uh, differently, um, and how can we enhance it? Um, yeah, look, it's it's. I don't know. It's not confidence, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Enjoyed, but yeah, look, I like I like our education system from that perspective. Like there is, there is not full autonomy, but you certainly have agency there to um, experiment yeah. in the class. And you know, like I mean, there's no such thing really as a as a what. Like I don't think any teacher goes in and doesn't teach in a class. You know, everything is a learning episode, if, if that makes sense. And as long as you are, what you're designing something, yeah, uh, don't, don't benefit from don't. It. Positive. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I'm not being flippant. No, you're back, Tony. Flippant about making mistakes. If they're planned. Yeah. Oh.